Hey, movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 56, um, the best family-friendly Halloween movies. So if you aren't necessarily the big fan of scares come Halloween season and you want something that you can kind of just chill with, we got you covered. But first of all, Josh, how are you doing tonight? I'm I'm good, man. I'm, I'm chilling like a villain, you know, just kind of doing my thing. Um, it's coming up on the end of October and, uh, it's been a busy month for me. So I'm happy to like be sitting here and not doing anything for a little bit. Yeah. For everyone listening at home, once we get out of October, yes, we will go back to our regularly scheduled episodes and not just spooky and Halloween related, but for the time being deal with it. Also, we do have the rest of the year mapped out. If you guys have enough interest, I'll share the schedule with you guys. Um, if not, be surprised every week. I'm fine either way. Uh, but thankfully, Josh and I are not alone this week to talk about our favorite family-friendly Halloween movies. I brought part of my family. Uh, Heather, how are you doing tonight? I'm pretty good. How are you guys? Oh, I mean, how I heard Josh is doing well. How are you, Nathan? Um, uh, Heather, I feel like you should know how your husband's doing. Do you not check on him throughout the day? What's wrong with you? I try. (laughs) It's our responsibility to check up on you, Josh. Yeah, I keep hitting my head on things. Yeah, stop (laughs) giving us scares. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's an occupational hazard. All right. I think let's go over some movie news because there may or may not have been some big stuff that happened recently. Yeah, I agree. Um, real quick, uh, I didn't see it on the notes, but I just wanted to ask if you had seen the uh, Bloodshot trailer. Yes, and let's just say there's a reason we're not going to talk about it. Oh, okay, cool. I thought it was interesting, but uh, we're going to move on. Anyway. Uh, yeah, we could talk about it real quick. I thought it was terrible. Really? Okay. It looks real bad. I mean, it does look like... Um, what is it called? What's that movie with Tom Cruise? Uh, the, Edge of uh, Tomorrow? Uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Sorry. It literally Except looks Tom Cruise like has that. charisma and Vin Diesel never does. Yeah, Can you yeah. Just briefly explain what this is. I don't know what you're talking about. So I've oh. seen this trailer like twice and I still don't know how to properly explain this movie. Um, yeah. Is the movie, what Josh is referring to, is, is it Bloodshot? I believe it is. So it's a comic book character that no one's ever heard of, uh, based off of Valiant. Is that the publisher's name? Like, yes. It's like Dark Horse like, or it, Vertigo. Yeah. Of like, it's a yeah. offshoot of like, like DC it, or somebody. Um, yeah, it's like Image. And it's like Vin Diesel's this assassin with Wolverine-like powers that can regenerate himself, but he also gets his memory wiped or something after every mission. It. Mm-hmm. It's a January release date. So yeah. not many people really know about this yet. It's been in yeah. development hell forever. And after seeing the trailer, it I can understand why. Yeah, I mean, the concept that he is ma- basically made out of nanites is, like, interesting. Uh, but I, I don't know. I thought at least, if anything, it's going to be a pretty movie. But that's about it. Yeah. The only part that was interesting to me was the part that they really want you to notice in the trailer is when his face gets blown off and they, like, heal it instantaneously. Um, but the rest of it, it's it's a Vin Diesel movie. He's probably getting revenge for his family. 
Yeah. Uh, you want to talk about a better trailer, though? Uh, I mean, I guess it's better. I mean, I've only watched it maybe ten times now. Uh, Josh, what trailer are you referring to? So there's this very, very small indie film coming out in December. Uh, not a lot of people know about it. Not a lot of people are really looking forward to it. Uh, well, that part, you might be right. Yeah, actually, that part might be right. But uh, Rise of Skywalker released its last, like, final trailer this past uh, Monday. Quote, unquote, final. I mean, I, I think we're going to get TV spots and stuff like that. But I, I, I understand what they're saying, like, final, like, trailer, trailer. Yeah. Um, so off the top, before we go into a long rant and diatribe about it, Heather, what were your initial thoughts and reactions to the quote unquote final Rise of Skywalker trailer? I thought it looked fine. It actually visually it looked pretty good. Wow. But um it looked fine. I did like the part. There's a part where they showed R2. Um, R2-D2 a lot, and I really like him. Um, just, I hope they show more of the classic droids and things. We'll see. I know, supposedly, it it's like the end, but I don't know. I'm kind of like with Nathan, maybe with Josh. I don't know if it's the end. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't... This is like, what, the third, quote-unquote, end of Star Wars? So I'm always hesitant to be like... This is the end, because Return of the Jedi was supposed to be the end, and Revenge of the Sith was supposed to be the end, and we know we're getting a new trilogy from Benioff and Weiss, so is that the end? Um, I have conflicting thoughts, and some bullet points I want to make sure we go over, uh, but before we go into that, Josh, what did you think of the trailer? Um, I got chills, honestly. I wasn't... I've not, like, on the... I wasn't on the fence, or, like, anything like that about the movie... I've kind of decided whenever it comes to Star Wars movies to release all expectations and go in with open mind. Um, and that that actually that helped me kind of enjoy Last Jedi a little bit more than I think some people did. Um, but with that being said, this trailer got me. Um, I mean, the, a good portion of it got me and it got me in a way of uh I actually started having dialogue with some of my coworkers as to what they could be doing and why, why, what is C-3PO hooked up to and all that stuff. So it, it was, it gave me chills, especially, and I, I know we're going to hit the bold points later, but especially the, the, the music at the end and then the final two lines really, really got me. Yeah. Uh, I know it's John Williams doing the music, but, Whatever you're paying him, it's not enough because the music in this trailer really is what brings it home for me. Um, I really, really enjoy this trailer. Um, Ask Heather, I've seen this trailer like eight or nine times already just because uh, she says more. Um, Just because one, it's a good trailer, but two, there's so much to try and glean from this trailer in terms of like little Easter eggs here and there. Um, It's... A bit of a toss-up for me, though. I thought this was a really good trailer, but a bad final trailer. I thought this was a really good first trailer, if this was the first trailer that you would show at, like, a D23 or something. But as a final, this is the movie, this is the trailer that's going to get you into the theater and explain what the movie's going to be about. I thought it failed in that regard. Uh, We have two and a half trailers now, because I don't think the special look that we got over the summer really gave us a whole lot. Um... 
through two and a half trailers, I still have no clue what this movie's about. And I don't necessarily think that's a good thing. Like, J.J. Abrams is notorious for keeping things way too close to the vest. Uh, Force Awakens, he did that. Into Darkness, he swore Benedict Cumberbatch wasn't playing Khan. And look how that turned out. Um, This one is one that I get that he wants to keep his secrecy. But after what happened with Last Jedi, I think people kind of want to know what the direction is, whether or not they can get on board with it or not. Yeah, and I can kind of, I get that. Um, I understand, Brent, why, somebody made a point to me at work that made a lot of sense to me of, why bring why bring Palpatine in? Well, I mean, Palpatine's always because Ryan Johnson killed off Snoke. I mean, well, there's that, but Palpatine's always been the main villain since the very beginning. True. Um, so, um, before we get into our quick bullet points that I wrote down, um, JJ's like gone on record of just like this will wrap up all nine films and it'll be the conclusive ending to. Not just this trilogy, but the whole nine films as a whole. I'm just like, dude, worry about resolving this trilogy. I don't care if it resolves all nine films. You don't need to do that. You just need to resolve this trilogy. Don't get ahead of yourself. Yeah, I can see that. I, uh, yeah, I agree. Or I'm on, I'm on board here. Now, uh, I do have some points. That I'm just like, oh, we got to make sure we talk about this. Um, Ray training at the beginning. Great. Oh, dude. Uh, but. Is it just me or does she like training in like every single movie? I mean, she is, but hey, at least she's trying to get ready for whatever um, she's trying to get ready for. <laughs> and um, does it look like to me that the planet that they're on is Yavin 4 from episode 4 where the rebel base was? Uh, it does. I also, I think the thing that popped me the most was that she's running through the forest while doing the droid. The, the little sh- droid that shoots. Now, I'm going to toss it over to Heather for this one. Um, there's a theory that I've seen out there um, that the natural inclination for people is to assume that she's being trained by Force Ghost Luke. Um, but someone has suggested that she's actually being trained by Leia. Um, Heather, you're immediately shaking your head. Why is that? Um, well, I I don't know. I know you guys know both know a little bit behind the scenes and better of Star Wars than I do, but I... Well, for this one, we're, like, I'm purposely trying to stay out of the behind the scenes, yeah, but... But I, I mean, in general, you know more Star, Star Wars than I do. I I think you're referring to when I we were talking, um, I think Leia might be a... Is she a, a ghost, a Force ghost? No, Leia... She is not. The character okay. is still alive. It's That's the actress was, that, unfortunately... I was getting confused. Okay, what are you referring to? So there's talk that Leia... Like, the physical character of Leia is the one training Rey in the Force, not Force Ghost Luke. Okay. Which is interesting. Um, I don't know, dude. I I, I would... <laughs> I, I kind of shoot that rumor down because I don't think there's enough footage of, um, of Leia. So, Carrie Fisher will be in this movie using, like, the extra scenes and the deleted scenes that they had for... Um, yes. Force Awakens. So it's not going to be bad CGI like the end of Rogue One. Um, I don't know how much extra footage they have, and if it is, I don't think it's training montage stuff. Correct. Uh, the rumor I have had, I have heard, and this goes over and builds into uh, what I think 
will be the conclusion of of the series of the at least this three film saga of it's Anakin. Oh films. no! So just hear me out. No, it, Anakin's Force no. Ghost. So and no. so, Ray can tell no. Kylo that his uncle, his you know grandfather, is not like a terrible person, and that he was actually fighting Palpatine the whole time, which leads Ray and Kylo to fight Palpatine, and then when they become triumphant or whatever, they create the resurgence of the Gray Jedi. Now we do have a lot to talk about with um, Ray and Kylo here. With the we'll yes. get to the Death Star fight in a little bit here, um, but. So, one of us here, up until, like, a day or two ago, had never heard the term Raylo. Heather, what is Raylo? I don't want to believe that. That's weird. A, what, what is um, it? I'm sorry, people. Um, Raylo is Ray and Kylo together? Not just together, romantically together. Yeah, that's what I meant. That's weird. I don't like that. There is a rumor that I've heard that I'm just like, Okay, even that one's too far out. That they have a kid. No, 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 no. I yeah, I'm not okay with that one. That makes uh, the my big stomach thing, weird. The only thing that would make it weird. <laughs> so gross. I'm sorry. It's only gross if it turns out that they are related. Yeah, yeah. Which it's Star Wars. Uh. Um, but I think it's. It's this trailer all but confirms to me that Ray and Kylo are in fact going to team up at some point. That's why I think this the Death Star fight that they're they're basing a lot of this marketing material around, like the poster. This trailer has yeah. them fighting on the Death Star. I don't think that's the big final fight. I think that's like halfway. Like the First Order no, is looking for something, agree. and the Resistance is looking for something that's on the second Death Star that their paths cross, and that's where they fight. Maybe. Um, since C-3PO was around when Palpatine was around, they're restoring C-3PO's memory so he can tell them about Palpatine? Um, potentially. I, uh, I don't know. See, but, like, then, uh, the, the only thing I can think is that that would... Because maybe if restoring his memory causes him to break down or whatever and that's why he's like taking one last look at my friends like okay i have issues with that because i'm a grumpy old man yes who is he talking to in that scene because he can't be talking about poe kylo and ray because he has spent next to no time with them they're not his friends and and see and that was a that was a there's a moment in the trailer when they're all getting into the cockpit of the millennium falcon and I was like, there was just a small tick in the back of my head of, oh, man, I would have loved to see all of these guys on an adventure together. Yeah, when they're in the Millennium of... Falcon, it is literally the first time we see them all together on a mission. Poe doesn't meet mm-hmm. Rey until the end of Last Jedi. Yeah. I don't think it was the best idea to keep them separate for so long. Like, the original trilogy had Han and Luke go rescue Princess Leia. Then their group... Then they do their own mission and save the day. Their paths intertwine. Like, everyone, like, the Jedi character, both Luke and Rey, like, split off to do their own thing. That's just Star Wars. But I think waiting until the very last movie in the series to tie all your main characters together, not a great idea. So when C-3PO is just like, one last look at my friends, I think that's a different moment in the movie. 
uh, since it's a droid, you could easily dub over. I think he's talking to like Princess Leia, Chewbacca, and R two in a different scene. Heather, what do you think? No, I I definitely agree with that. Like like I said earlier, I really am excited to see like the original droids, the original uh, characters like Chewie, but I... and and your boy R two. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. I love R two, but I who to be fair has been really shortchanged this trilogy. I do I mean, agree. I think it's like they're. He's talking. C C C three PO. Yeah, he's talking to somebody else. It's just it's like a fake out. They're just trying to like make you. Oh, oh, they're talking to Ray and Finn and whoever. No, no, no. Yeah, because J J Abrams never does fake outs. What? No. Yeah, he does. So, do you want to hear the elaborate uh, theory that I was told today regarding that scene? I mean, I suppose we have to since you set it up. I, so, I forget the exact terminology, but there is an episode in Rebels. I'm familiar. Yes, about a dagger. No, that's not in Rebels, that's in Clone Wars. Okay, okay, well, at least you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, the dagger of, uh, like, Mortis or something that's about the the light and the dark side of the Force. Yeah, so some, the the guy I was talking to hypothesized that for whatever reason they need to translate some something having to do with the dagger and c3po can do it because he speaks over six million forms of communication exactly but it will like either severely damage him or like something might potentially happen and so they're getting him all set up to translate the dagger and so with the potential of him, you know, being destroyed because of it, just to get, get, give his friends the information they need, which I was like, way to like pull out a reference out of nowhere. If that's the case, I don't think I'm putting this on record now. I don't think any of the original trilogy members are dying just because too many of them have already died. Um, yeah. Han. Han had to die in Force Awakens just because the mentor figure always dies in the first movie of Star Wars. Whether it's Obi-Wan or Qui-Gon, Han just fit that role. They had to do it. Luke, I think that was just a dumb choice by Ryan Johnson's part. Um, I don't think you really needed to kill off Luke. I don't think you bring back Lando just for him to die. Chewbacca, there will be riots in the street if you kill off Chewbacca, R2, or 3PO. Uh, And given the fact that Carrie Fisher actually passed away, I don't think they're going to send her off. I think they've killed off too many of the original people to kill off 3PO here. I think it's a misdirect. That being said, yeah. I feel pretty confident saying someone's going to die, and his name is Kylo Ren. I can see that, but I think, mm-hmm. do you think it's going to be a sacrifice, or do you think he's going to, like, Ray will, like, have to kill him? Uh, Heather, before I answer, Heather, what do you think? Is Kylo dying a hero or dying a villain, or staying alive the whole time? Um, I think that he, I think he's going to be a hero. I think Ray is evil. Really? You're going off that last uh, D23 shot with a double-bladed? Yes. And, okay, this is my own opinion. I don't really like Ray, so I think she's evil. <laughs> I don't yeah. hate Ray, but I do think it's a challenging bit for a character when they never lose. Like, yes. ever. Yes. They never have any issues or struggles. Like, Luke grew as a character mm-hmm. when he lost to Vader in Empire Strikes mm-hmm. Back. Ray has never lost. Well, like, she beat Kylo twice. You had a thought, Heather? 
Um, yes, go along with her. She never struggles. The thing I do notice, and I, I do like this, in this trailer, she looked thinner in the face. She looked worn out. She looked drained. She looked tired. So I feel like she has been going and going and going, battling and fighting and whatever, challenging and training. But she still doesn't make me like her that much. But I, I, I like that she's, you know, she is, you know, she doesn't give up. But I don't like her as a character. Josh, okay. Kylo living or dying? Um, and if he does, hero or villain? I'd like to think that he's going to die a hero if he does. Um, yeah, I think I, JJ is too much of a traditionalist and too much of a fan of the original trilogy to deviate anything other than Return of the Jedi type endings. Yeah, and I feel like that's going to not... That's not going to be beneficial. Um, I, I don't know. I don't Return know. to something safe is probably what Star Wars needs right now. I see, but like that's the problem because uh, Force Awakens was safe, and and it was great. Soul, I, uh, yeah, not to everyone. Ever uh, there's a lot, a large group of people that said, "Oh." Yeah, but it's too much like the original trilogy. Which but yes, we, we needed The Force Awakens to be like the original trilogy because we came off the backs of the prequels, which are universally despised until now, which apparently they're beloved masterpieces now. I wouldn't say that they're beloved masterpieces, but I definitely uh, would say they're not as bad as they, as they have been considered. I was just going to say really quick about Force Awakens. Like For people like my sister who had never seen much of Star Wars to begin with, Force Awakens was one of those... Okay, we can have the original A New Hope again, but in a new generation. Yeah, I think Force Awakens, it was like the original to bring in the new people as well as the old school fans. Like, we have quite a few friends that if we're introducing them to Star Wars, I'd probably show them Force Awakens first. Yeah, I, I, and I, I would agree. But I think, and I think the, like the old, I've been watching since the original series, uh, you know, Star Wars fan saw it and was like, "Oh, come on!" Like, so I I want to say go safe, but I also want to like, I don't know, expand the universe a little bit with this last We've, one. I we branched out in the last one in Last Jedi, and it got really negative reviews. So I think Disney would much rather play it safe until they bring Kevin Feige in. I'll give that to you. Um. Uh, yeah, let's do one I, more I, thing, I'm, and then we should probably move on because we've talked about this long enough. Um, again, this is our third look at the movie, and we still have not got a shot of the Emperor. I don't think it's going to be the Emperor that we think it is. I would agree. Like, we are not seeing his face. We got the side of his hood this time around, but whether he's a clone on life support or played by Matt Smith of Doctor Who fame or, like, he's a young clone... Uh, I don't know, but I don't think I, he's going to look like how everyone thinks he will. I honestly, I wouldn't be surprised um, if they go the kind of like Darth Maul route where he is mostly robot. Uh, that is what happened in the EU. And what's interesting to me is they're basing a lot of stuff that was left on the cutting room floor of other projects for this movie. Like the whole fighting on the Death Star and discovering something in the hidden Death Star is actually from concept art and story pitches from early drafts of Force Awakens, actually. 
Yeah, exactly. So it, it's interesting to me. Uh, I'm sure we could have a long discussion about this, and we'll probably will have a Star Wars breakdown eventually. Uh, but we got to move on to other stuff. Uh, a lot of DC related stuff. Um, so last week we talked about how, um, Zoe Kravitz was cast as Catwoman in, uh, the upcoming Batman movie and that Jonah Hill was out. Well, now it seems like we have not only, uh, another casting bit, but the composer as well. So we have Paul Dano is confirmed as the Riddler and Josh just rejoicing in the streets. Well, I, like, that was, I, I think we said this when we were doing the casting uh, episode. Um, Heather, I don't know if how much fan casting you do, uh, but I know Nathan and I, it's all we do. But we also, like, we like to pick dark horses, and I don't know why he never crossed my, my mind for Riddler. But now that they've cast him, it's one of those, like, oh, yes, that's exactly who should be the Riddler. Well, I'll tell you why Paul Dano was never in my consideration for the Riddler. It's because I never thought he would actually do it. Because Paul Dano is like a Daniel Day-Lewis type actor of, will only appear in like indie slash really prestigious movies. Like, I've never seen him in a big mainstream movie before. I honestly think his most mainstream movie is probably There Will Be Blood. Yeah. And even Um, then, that's probably pretty indie. Yeah, or like um uh Swiss Army Man is like super indie and he's but he's great in it. Prisoners super indie, but he's amazing in that. Oh yeah. So like regardless, man, I man, that's that's a casting choice I can really get behind. So as someone that may not be super familiar with the actor, uh what are you hoping to see from a Riddler character? in this upcoming Batman movie, Heather? Well, as far as what I know what he looks like, he looks like the character. And I know you made something that made him look... He did Nathan did like a Photoshop thing, or I don't know exactly what you did, but he made him with, the, with his hair and different... his suit and everything that made him look more like the Riddler. And so I can see him that way. Also, I'm just thinking, because the Riddler is like... He's the joke... Does the like the... The riddles and the, oh, this, oh, he's just trying to be funny, right? Kind of. Some, most incarnations. Yeah. yeah. I'm thinking of like 1960s and 70s. Oh, the Frank Gorshin version? that's the only one I know of, kind of, oh, just funny. And just like trying to like be sneaky, but like not in a bad way, but just like a try to tricky, trickster kind of, kind of, yeah. Uh, a bit. Uh, yeah. The Riddler, more so than almost any other Batman villain, I feel like, has had such wild varieties of portrayals. Like, you've had your Frank Gorshins and your Jim Carrey's, which I'm putting on the record, Jim Carrey's iteration is trash. I hate his performance as Riddler so much. Um, he set the character back big time. Uh, but then you also have, I think, one of the most criminally underrated versions of Riddler, and Josh, I'm sure, will agree with this, the Batman's version of Riddler. Oh, dude. With the long jet black hair, he kind of looked like a Johnny Depp knockoff. Um, yeah. But in a good way. He just, like, comes across, like, suave, but, like, his his riddles and, and just the way he comes across is not, oh, like, like Heather said, it's not trickster, quite. 
it, considering it's there's more... actually a DC character called Trickster. Yeah, exactly. That, but that um, sounds like a character. Okay. That was Mark Hamill's character on Flash. See, that's yeah. what I was thinking of. Because don't they have the same colors or no? No, Trickster no. has every color. Oh, Riddler is green. 80s, bam, neon, right? Yes. Okay, I know who you're talking about. Um, so, but, like, I I liked it a lot because I felt like this was a man who wasn't doing the riddles because he wanted to trick somebody. He's doing these riddles because he has to show how, he's smarter. Exactly, he has to feel smarter than everyone else because he knows he is. He just has to prove it. Yeah. So, and I think you and I have talked about this before in the past of. Uh, with this new Riddler, we kind of hope we get a more like dark and serious version of the Riddler, and I think we will. Um, something, it's a, not an analogy that I thought about before, uh, but I'll, I really would like it to be this way now. Um, if Batman is Sherlock Holmes, the world's greatest detective, I want Riddler to be Moriarty. Andrew Scott's yes. Moriarty from Sherlock. Of like, evil, demented, thinking five moves ahead, and super smug about it. Not like, um, funny or like, ha ha, I have a riddle for you, Batman, while twirling his question mark cane, but like Moriarty from Sherlock. I, that's one of my favorite villains. And if you slap a green suit on that and call that Riddler, my day is made. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I think you and I talked about this is like, it's, and I think it goes hand in hand with that, with the Batman Riddler. Um, of he he just has to prove that he's smarter than everyone else, which is a very very like serial serial killer like esque character trait. So having him do that and just he's got to do it to everyone, and you know he's going to kill multiple people, make him dark. And honestly, Paul Dano, regardless of whether or not I think he can pull it off, which I totally think he has the acting range too. Even if he doesn't, it's gonna be terrifying. It'll be like Michael Sarah going like telling riddles and stuff and like killing people. Oh, absolutely. And the other part of this uh, news that we got is that we have an official uh, composer for the movie, and boy, did they swing for the fences yet again. Everything that they're doing so far with this movie, they're knocking out of the park. They have uh, I always mispronounce his name, Michael Giacchino, Giacchino, um, doing the music. Now, if you aren't familiar with his name, you're familiar with his music. He did the music for both Spider-Man Homecoming and Far From Home. So he did that really great cover of the Spider-Man theme. Um, he did the music for the entire J.J. Abrams Star Trek trilogy. Um, he did the music for Rogue One, which even though that movie is trash, the music's really, really good for it. Um, Michael Giacchino is a great composer. I'm glad we're not getting... As much as Hans Zimmer's one of my favorites, I'm glad we're getting a different stylistic composer than dark knight trilogy yeah i i, I agree um, and i've never been a fan of danny elfman who i know that's gonna get me some flack because danny elfman did the batman 89 theme which is like the most iconic batman theme ever made but I, danny elfman's never really done it for me okay. no it, it, i i would i'll agree with that and i think uh it goes hand in hand with um, a point that i was gonna make later but um, yeah, bring it up now with the with our pats. Yeah, with Robert Pattinson's because he was doing press for Lighthouse, which I still really need to see. Um, yeah, it's like in five was, theaters right now. I'm trying to find Lighthouse. Oh yeah, it's it's I, it's one of those things. I think I'm gonna have to wait 
and then have uh, my <clears throat> movie guy uh, put it on his his little server. Anyway, um, but he made made a comment. I need to. I would like to go back and find the full interview. But he's made comment, two very uh, interesting comments recently. Yeah, like well, the one I'm specifically talking about is how he's approaching the character of Batman in that he he should not be a, looked at as a hero. He should be looked at as frightening. Yes. So bringing Heather into this one, uh, what Josh is saying is Robert Pattinson is trying to make Batman scary. When you first hear it, scary slash frightening, when you hear that off the top of your head, is that something you want to see from Batman? And if you hear a frightening Batman. What's the first thing that comes to your mind with that? Um, I'm not really sure. I just know, I think personally, I think Robert probably will do a very good job. Um, I feel like he's a good, he's a good actor and he'll be serious at his role, but I don't know what to think of like a scary Batman. Do you mean like just scary? So people know that he is, he means business or like scary, like creepy. Uh, a little bit of both. Okay. So um, not just the frightening thing, but there's also, he said in another interview that Batman's not a hero. Um, and his morality is a little questionable at times. Now you hear something like that. Is that something you agree with? Or do you think he is reaching a little bit there? I think he's reaching out a little bit because, I don't know, I think he's making people think and make, like, oh, what is this next Batman going to be about? Because honestly... I I think Batman is a hero, even though he's a little more rough and he's a little bit more like, you know, he's Batman. He's not Spider-Man and like, you know what I mean? There's two different kinds of, yeah. there's many yeah. different kinds of superheroes, but Batman, just because of his upbringing, because of this or that, whatever happened to him, I feel like that's why he's a little bit more rough and a little bit like wants to stick to himself. Like, I don't know. Oh, no, I get you. That's well, a really good point. Yeah, um, I, I'm with I, I hear what Heather's putting down, though, because he he is like he's a different breed. And we should if he's a if different breed try, in the same sense that Punisher is a different breed. Yeah, of hero. Exactly. Exactly. So when he said when Robert Pattinson says frightening, I think those scenes from Batman begins when we first get Batman attacking the, the shipyard. Yes, exactly. Like those kinds of scenes. Or as much as I despise Batman v Superman, when you first are first introduced to Ben Affleck's Batman, he's literally like a vampire on the walls that even the people he's saving are terrified of him. I think that was perfect. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that kind of thing of like he's he shouldn't be like and that's why the public is never is never sure about what to think of him. Because yes, he's doing some some of the stuff he's doing is really really good, but how he goes about it is really questionable. Yeah. And so, like that's exactly I feel like that that hits it spot on. Uh, and so, to, to with that bit being said, I feel like with the, who this guy that they just brought on for the music, with the casting choices they're making, they're they are swinging for the fences, and they're they're not choking the bat. They're they're knocking this thing out of the park is what they're aiming for. Yeah, I agree. And also, because everything has to revolve around Nightwing somehow, you kind of have to have this like darker and scarier Batman if you're ever going to introduce Nightwing because that's a crux of his character is why he left Batman because he disagreed so heavily of 
you don't always have to scare the crap out of villains to make them change. You can show compassion, and that's one of their big riffs. Um, just the more I hear about the production of this Batman movie, the more hype I get for this truly could be something special. Oh, absolutely. Now, um, so speaking of things that turned out special, <laughs> Jared Leto walking is a different kind of special, yeah. my friend. Yes, he is. Now, have you? I don't know how much you've read up on uh, all of the stuff that Jared Leto has apparently tried to cancel the the Walking Phoenix Joker movie when it was in production. Yes, he did. So, um, what Josh referring to is, so we all know Jared Leto was Joker in the Suicide Squad, and how do I put this nicely? He's the worst live action Joker we've ever gotten, hands down. Not even close. He was dreadful as Joker and was met with a lot of backlash. Um, not just from the audiences, from his castmates too, because he was apparently horrible to his castmates, like sending them dead rats and things that will... I'm going to quote Big Fat Liar. I, we've got some R-rated dialogue, but I'm going to keep it PG. Uh, of Some things that he did on set during Suicide Squad are never okay. Um, yeah, but so he took the roles very, very seriously. And so when he found out that Joaquin Phoenix was getting a Joker movie that was completely separate from his Joker, he flipped out big time and talked to his agent and was just like, we have to do everything in our power to make sure that this doesn't happen, which I'm just yeah. going, how immature can you be that you're trying to cancel some other project just because it doesn't star you? Yeah, exactly. It was like, uh, I think the the term that he used was alienated. He felt like alienated and like, why would you give, why would you not give me an opportunity to do this character justice? Why would you blah, blah, blah? Why would you this? Why would you that? At the end of, and, and like even going as far as to using his music connections to, to, to try to get this movie to stop. Yeah, so Heather, you're you're making a not right in the head motion. What are you, what are you making of all this insanity? Literally insanity. Well, just just knowing who he is, he something's not right with him in the head. Like he has some sort of mental illness. If he keeps doing those awful pranks, and he's just doing, he's just trying to make people feel awful about you know being in a Joker movie. Okay, who cares? It's not his movie. Like Nathan said, immaturity, and he has something wrong with him. It, yeah. it would be different if he was well-received in his Joker role, but it it's pretty well-regarded that he was not a popular Joker. So there's some... These are unconfirmed rumors, but there's, there's some new rumors that have come to light that he did have more scenes in the Suicide Squad movie that were cut due to performance of the studio and the directors going, this was a horrible choice. We've got to cut back on Joker because he was so nuts. And it's just, I get that Jared Leto is super duper method, like to the nth degree. But also, this coupled with what we know about the making of Suicide Squad, this does not paint him in a good light at all. Like, no. if I'm a studio, I'm very hesitant to work with Jared Leto going forward. Not only were you this wild and rambunctious on the set of a movie... You purposely like tried to sabotage that movie once it came out. Not only that, you tried to sabotage other movies. This is not a good look. 
And just when DC starting to get its footing back, this is not what they need right now. I didn't like Joker, but it's on its way to being the highest grossing rated R movie ever. It's going to pass Deadpool probably this weekend. Like, this yeah. movie's a huge success. This is the last thing DC needs is another PR nightmare in which they've already dealt with plenty of PR nightmares over the years. But this is just, I said it before, this is just immaturity on uh, Jared Leto's part. And there's a reason why we're, there's other reports coming out that he's done as Joker, which he was done as Joker after Suicide Squad came out. Who are we kidding? But now it seems to be confirmed that he's not going to be in Birds of Prey. We're not going to get that Joker, Joker Harley movie, which I always thought was a bad idea. Um, this is just his final nail in the coffin in any comic book movie, I think. Um, well, he's got Morbius coming out next year, but I, with this whole reputation, I don't think Morbius is going to do well, and I, I think he's out of big-budget movies for a little bit. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised as well. Any last-minute thoughts on that before we move on to The Rock? Uh, no, dude, uh, cause that kind of brew makes me scratch my head. Heather, any last minute thoughts before we move on to The Rock? No, I'm good. All right, so The Rock, as we know, is one of the busiest guys in Hollywood, um, even if he is just playing the same character in every movie, but I'm not gonna beat that dead horse today. Um, now, one movie that he's been attached to what seems like for a decade now, actually he said he's been attached to this movie for 10 years, is the Black Adam movie. So for those of you who aren't familiar with Black Adam, uh, for every Superman, there's a Lex Luthor. For every Batman, there's a Joker. For Shazam, there's Black Adam. Black Adam is more or less the big villain for Shazam. Um, so Black Adam was actually supposed to come out before Shazam. And now... According to The Rock, who's the star of Black Adam, the movie will finally begin filming in July. Now, I feel like I've heard this for years now, so I don't know if I buy it. But Josh, do you believe The Rock this time that Black Adam will finally start filming in July? Um, I'm going to say I believe it, uh, partly because I think the rock is very good at promoting hit the movies that he's currently working on. Um, so I feel like given that reputation, he would not say that unless he was getting ready to work on it. True. Now, um, I will give you another question. Is this a movie you want? Yeah. I'm, given, um, the, given the Shazam that we, that we got, I'm pretty dumb for that. So, Heather, you hear that The Rock has been attached to this movie for years and years, and he says it's finally going to start filming next July. Do you believe him? And if it's at all connected to the Shazam-verse and the Shazamily, are you interested in seeing this movie? I would say I'm definitely interested if it's connected. And like you said, if it's been going on, that he's going to be in this movie. Oh, it's in production. Oh, well, they're going to do it starting in July. I don't know if I necessarily believe it. it's going to be then. That might be just giving everybody a heads up. Oh, it's coming soon, but it might not be this soon. Yeah. So, I don't know if I believe it or not. I think we'll eventually get Black Adam. That being said, Josh, I'm going to have to disagree with you. I don't want this movie at all. I've thought since they announced it, this is a really bad idea. 
Um, not because it's The Rock and my weird issues that I have with The Rock as an actor. It's from everything I've heard about what the story is and what the direction they're going to take the character. It just sounds wrong. Like, yeah. so wrong. They're like, yeah, Black Adam is one of the great anti-heroes of the DC universe. And we really want to make it like an anti-hero. And I'm just going, um, what? Black Adam comics have you read? Because I don't know of a single one where he's not one of the worst villains out there. Like, he's a bad dude. And he's not an anti-hero in any sense of the word. So when they attach The Rock to him, just like, The Rock doesn't play bad guys. You're going to make him a hero, aren't you? Which is not what Black Adam is. He's evil. He's one of the worst villains out there. In terms of the powerful lexicon... Yes, I just used that word. Um, of all-time great DC villains, like powerful villains, you've got Doomsday, Brainiac, Lex Luthor, Joker, Sinestro, Black Adam. All these guys are pure evil and power. Black Adam's not a good guy. So when as soon as they said The Rock was it, I was just like, oh no, here we go. Because it's, it's not him. He's not... A good guy in any sense, anti-hero or straight up good guy. Now, I did hear an interesting pitch that I was like, okay, now that I could buy. Um, Black Adam's family is killed by, and therefore Black Adam has to fight against, Vandal Savage, the immortal Vandal Savage. I'd be very down with that. Yeah, because if there's anybody that's more evil than Black Adam that could actually go toe-to-toe with a godlike power is the someone that's immoral and cannot die in Vandal Savage. I think that'd be okay. That being said, I don't want this movie at all. Yeah, now that you've kind of explained it that way, geez. Okay, well then, if that's the case, who would you have be um, Black Adam, if not The Rock? Uh, I've always thought the guy that played the mummy in the 1990s mummy movie would be great. Arnold Vosloo. Okay. Um, I actually had a thought. Uh-oh. He would look maybe just a tad different, but, um, man, I'm terrible with names, but I saw, I watched the God of War documentary today. Uh, the guy that does the voice for the new Kratos. Christopher He's, Judge. Uh, yeah. Teal'c from Star Trek. No, from... Oh, yeah. oh my mom's going to kill me for that. Stargate. Stargate yeah, Christopher Stargate. Judge. He's got a powerful voice. I would I would be very much okay with him as Black Adam. Oh, dude. like Think of the contrast of that voice and that look in comparison to Zack. Plus, fun fact, Christopher Judge has already been in a DC movie. Josh, can you tell me which one? Uh, no. It's a blink and he miss it cameo that he actually has like two lines of dialogue in The Dark Knight Rises. Oh? He's one of Bane's guards. Uh, he's one of the guards that Joseph Gordon-Levitt fights when he's in street clothes at the end. No, he doesn't deserve that. Um, okay, but yeah, no, 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 no. I really would like, I, if not Rock, then definitely him. Yeah, I think Christopher Judge can pull off villain better than uh, The Rock can. And I just, hearing that voice say spells would be terrifying. Oh, yeah. Um, Now, for our last news topic, it's 
one of the weirdest combinations we have ever gotten since the news that Hans Zimmer was doing the music for a SpongeBob movie. Um, which is still the weirdest news topic we've ever done. Uh, but this has to be up there. We're getting a new live-action Barney movie starring the lead actor from Jordan Peele's Get Out. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. So my first reaction when I saw this was, why did you have to emphasize that it's live-action? Isn't all Barney live-action? I didn't watch it growing up, so I don't know. I mean, technically speaking, yes. Maybe they're... I... Okay, yeah, now now I have questions. I ha- what's the what's the line from Toy Story 4? Woody, I have a question. No, never mind. I have all the questions. Yeah, like Jeez, man. Like um, why do yeah, you Yeah, while you gather your words. Heather, you hear live action Barney and the guy from Get Out. What is your initial reaction to that? No. Thank you for your concise words. Care to expound upon that? I don't want to see that anymore. I I didn't grow up with Barney. Heather, mm. Heather, did you watch Barney at all growing up? Yes. Wow. Said with such conviction. I. The synopsis that I've seen is just like, uh, is Barney still culturally relevant in 2019? What is Barney's phrase of... I love you, you love me. What does that mean for us as a culture oh, now? Okay, okay. I will say this. I don't want to see this movie just because it's not, you know, it's not for me. It's for little, it's like for four and five-year-olds. But the message of that song is fine. It, it sh- Adults should not read into it. It's for kids to know, you know, like, you know what I mean? It's just a song, and it's just when kids sing songs, they remember things. They remember how special they are. That's it. Now, if you told me that it's a Barney horror movie, like the Mm. Banana Splits movie. I don't know what that is. It's a movie. It's like Five Nights at Freddy's. Oh, never mind. Yeah, if we had like a Five Nights at Freddy's movie with Barney. That's that's, that is the that's the thought I had of a live. Okay, you want to do live action? Fine. Uh, make it about all the Barney costumes coming to, coming alive. That's yeah. fine. They make it a horror film. No. That's terrifying. Let's do it. But yeah, this, I, I don't get the rationale between this. I don't know. Oh, I agree. I, I agree. I don't get it either. The only thing I can think of is the actor. He's probably just like um, like a teacher, or just someone helping the kids with Barney. I don't know. I I don't think we'll ever get it, and I don't really want to get it it's it's just one of the weirdest things we've ever had as a news topic and do you have a name for the barney movie or is it just barney live action barney barney oh god please send help um um barney um i hope the toys stay asleep barney (laughs) and a search for more money (laughs) <laughs> oh, uh, Barney, I, we, I we've talked about did this not... enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is what I think we should do. Then, all right, I think we should uh, do like between the three of us uh, next week. Maybe like see who can come up with the best title for a Barney movie. Barney, fully loaded. Oh, no. <laughs> 
I'm going to stay out of this conversation. Oh, <laughs> We're going downhill real fast. Josh, give us a sponsor. Moving on to the sponsor. <laughs> oh, man. Today's sponsors is brought to you by Tide Pods. When you open your, your gym bag and realize you forgot to clean all your clothes and it totally reeks, enter Tide Pods. All right, that was oddly specific, but that actually sounded like a real, com- uh, real sponsor. Yeah. So we'll give it to you for that. <laughs> I have to buy some, so thank you. So I, uh, I also so signed up. They're not consumable. Yeah, hey, don't don't eat them. Um, but I, because uh, I had to shoot promos tonight, right? And so we had to do it in full gear. So I had to bring all my gear to, to training tonight. Um, and I guess I didn't realize that. The sh- from the show on Saturday, I shoved everything into the bag, closed it, and I hadn't opened it since. So, so that's I like a ticking stank it. bomb. Yeah, I opened it, and I was just like, oh, uh, uh, nope, okay. So, anyway. You know what else is ticking stank bombs? Some certain family-friendly Halloween movies. But that's not what we're going to talk about this week. We're going to talk about the good ones. So don't like getting scared easily, or you want to watch something for Halloween that you can watch with the entire family. That's what we're going to talk about this week. And thank you, Heather, for the wonderful suggestion. This is all your idea, so if it goes downhill, we're going to blame you. I, I'm down with that. I, awesome. I support so that decision. thank you for listening. Hey, here's the thing. If this goes doesn't go well, we're forcing you to watch the live-action Barney movie. <laughs> <laughs> I just have an ugly face right now. <laughs> hey, be nice to yourself. You're a very beautiful woman. Well, thank you. <laughs> So who who wants to kick us off? Actually, Heather, since it was your idea, oh, no. why don't you kick us off? What's one of your favorite Halloween movies to watch? Like family friendly Halloween movies. Heather, don't you just love Hocus the, Pocus? I think that's your favorite movie on the list. Yeah, yep, we, for the record, we will not be talking about Hocus Pocus because, like we said <laughs> earlier, we want to talk about good movies. Right, so we kind of. <laughs> Yeah, I don't like that movie either. Um, we'll kind of talk about the ones that we um, all kind of can agree on. I would definitely start out with um, It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. That That's is like one of my favorites. Movie. I know Nathan really likes it. Um, honestly, I watched it yesterday in my... I teach preschool, so I watched it in my class. And we were like, let's show a movie to the kids before nap time. And it's Charlie Brown. And who doesn't like Charlie Brown? And they loved it. They were, you know, even though it's been around for decades, decades, any generation can relate to it. And it was so fun watching the kids watch it because I was like, oh, I love this movie. And then my um, co-teacher, she's 60 and she's like, oh, don't you just love it? Like, it's just it's just fun. It's happy. It's silly. But it's relatable. She's probably there it's... when the movie first debuted. Oh yeah, she was. <laughs> but she's Puerto Rican, I, uh, so she probably didn't no, see but her like, I, anyway. I agree though. It's very much tradition. It's like watching mm-hmm. um, you know, Thanksgiving in November. Like it's mm-hmm. just it's just what it, it's a part of life now. It's a part of it's just it fully embodies Halloween. Yeah. It's also like super quotable. I got a rock. Yep. Again, I got a rock. Five times I'm waiting. in a row at night. <laughs> I'm waiting for the Great Pumpkin, Charlie. <laughs> I'll put it on record. I actually like it's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, more than the Christmas special. Mm-hmm. I know that one's like more iconic and more like well known, but I actually prefer the it's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown mm-hmm. over the Christmas special. 
I will say uh, I, yeah. I do too. And I love the kids' little um Halloween costumes. It, they have like a ghost and the witch, but then somebody else has like something on top of their costume, like little I don't know. Yeah, like Lucy has Lucy's got the witch's mask and a hat. Yeah. Um uh Pigpen is just Pigpen. Um one of them just has a whole bunch of holes in it. Yeah. But it's just I feel like I want to see it remastered because that would be cool. You know, uh, what I would like to see is, um, was it 2015 we got that new um, the trailer? Peanut, the Peanuts movie. Which was really, really good. And I would have loved another one of those if we got a remake of It's the Great Pumpkin Trailer Brown in that animation style. Because it was so true to the original. It's just, like Heather said, almost yeah. like a remaster kind of. Honestly, yes. That would be honestly. Uh, I don't know. Josh, you remember my friend Molly? Do you remember Molly? Uh, yeah, vaguely. Well, um, if Molly listens, I don't know if she listens, but she she is the Charlie Brown fanatic. The the most she loves Charlie Brown and Snoopy more than anyone that I know of. I swear, if she gets a dog, she's gonna name it Peanut or or Snoopy uh. or Snoopy. But yeah, no, uh, yeah, she could probably talk hours about this movie in general. So. Yeah, I, I've always yeah, liked it's, it's the Great Pumpkin Trial Brown. It's one of my favorites. Um, Josh, what's one that you enjoy that, like, everyone could watch? Um, Honestly, I think Monster House is one of the most underrated movie, Halloween movies out there right now. It's Stranger Things before Stranger Things. It is, but it's like... I, I It's inappropriate. It's hilarious. It's genuinely terrifying at times. And it's very heartwarming by the end of the movie. It's the right amount of scares for a kid's movie. Yes. Like, it's it does get pretty intense at times. And I'll be honest, um, I stayed away from it for a lot of years because of the animation style. I'm not normally a fan of it. But then after a couple minutes, you get used to it in a movie. And it's really well done. It's a great movie. And I, uh, it's weird to think too because the animation style actually adds to how the story is told. Yeah, yeah. Um, it it's very fluid for its animation. Like, I can, is it stop motion or is it CG? I think it's stop motion. I think it's a little bit of claymation, a little bit of uh, animation, a little mm-hmm. bit of stop motion. It's a little bit of everything. Yeah, I would agree. It looks like it's blended somehow. Yeah, but um, like you're pointing out, the writing for it is just excellent. Like, there's some jokes that are going to go over kids' heads and that are just really well-told jokes, but the story was surprisingly heartfelt of the house itself when you find out the story and the history of the house. Like, oh, wow, this actually is deeper than I was expecting. It was a really well-told and really good story that I just was not anticipating, and it's like, required viewing every Halloween every year for me. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's... Yeah. It's very well-told, and like, really, like, who would have thought about writing like, the thought, you know, people have written horror movies about a house being alive before, but not, like, to the point where, like, the house is alive and it actually has like anatomical parts. Yeah, it it almost uh what's that Arthur episode with the chicken house? It reminded me of that. 
Yes. Okay. Um. So now I'll go with one that it's going to be the most Nathan pick that ever Nathaned. Um, the Batman versus Dracula. I remember when this first debuted. I've watched it more or less every Halloween since. Um, so while it's not set around Halloween time, you'd be like, it's just a Batman movie. It's actually a really good Halloween movie because it's also one of the best uh, incarnations of Dracula we've ever seen, both live action or animated. And it's one of the few times that Batman's actually used his brain to solve the problem and not just straight up muscle like he has in every single other movie. Um, but it's the right amount of scares. Like, um... Dracula himself is not the creepiest thing in this movie. That's spoiler alert for a 15-year-old movie. It's probably 15 by now. Um, When Joker comes back from the dead and gets bitten by Dracula, Vampire Joker, I'm not scared of clowns, but that terrifies me. Yeah, it's... I think... (laughs) And it's funny that... Ooh, excuse me, I just burped. Um... It's funny that I'm more of a fan, I think, uh, than you of the the Batman series. Oh, no, I still I think, really enjoy it. I think you saw this before me. Oh, I don't doubt it. I'm I'm the DC animated movie connoisseur guy. Like I've I've only missed like two, and that's only because one of them just came out like yesterday, and the other one's Constantine, and I don't care. Yeah. Uh, but I like the Batman versus Dracula. I have quite a few actual, and all but one of the movie, all but two of the movies on this list are animated. Um, three, actually, I can't count today. It's okay. It's, it's, okay, it's because one of them I'm looking at it on paper and I'm like, oh, that's cartoon. All right, no, nope, never mind. It's live action. So I guess we'll talk yeah. about that one now yeah. as I awkwardly barrel yeah. roll into this. Heather's super excited to talk about this one. Uh, before I stumble any more on my words, Heather, which one am I talking about? Um, I believe it's a 2002 or 2000, I believe it's 2002 or 2003 Scooby-Doo live action. Freddie Prinze Jr., Sarah, Michelle Geller. Yes. And the greatest (laughs) bit of movie casting known to man besides J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson, Matthew Lillard as Shaggy. Oh (laughs) my gosh, whoever cast him Give that person a raise. <laughs> so, y'all can hail this all you want. Because it is good. Don't get me wrong. I, it's entertaining. It. The, 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 the casting is pretty spot on. The, the reveal that's, that it's scrappy by the end is, is, is very smart. and it, it, It's one of those that ties everything together. It's cool. But... If you will put that over Scooby Doo and Zombie Island, I think we're going to have some issues. Oh no! No no no! Oh no no no! no. This we'll... is just a random list. Okay, we will okay. get to to Zombie Island after this, but uh, we'll do live action. Then we'll go to Zombie Island because if anybody says Zombie Island is not great, I will fight them. Um, but the live action Scooby Doo. So this actually has a very interesting history. I know a lot of uh, people our age grew up watching this Scooby Doo movie. I thought it was great at the time. I've kind of come full circle in this movie. I thought it was great when it came out. In the subsequent years, I thought it was terrible. Now I kind of have a different appreciation for it in that. Um, so this, Josh, do you know who wrote this movie? I don't, actually. James Gunn of Guardians of the Galaxy. 
That doesn't surprise me at all. Actually. So he wrote. He initially pitched and wrote this movie as a hard R-rated satire of Scooby-Doo, a spoof movie, essentially. And the movie almost got made, and then the studio at the last minute was like, ah, uh, let's make it family-friendly. That's why you got a whole bunch of people like Sarah Michelle Gellar, like Freddie Prince Jr., who were known at the time for I Know What You Did Last Summer, a slasher movie. So this movie was supposed to be R-rated. That's why a lot of the humor is really over-the-top and kind of meta, in, like, Fred's portrayal is over-the-top narcissist. Daphne's over-the-top. I get caught every single time. Like, it was supposed to be a spoof of Scooby-Doo. So, as a Scooby-Doo movie, it's just kind of okay. But as a spoof of Scooby-Doo, it's actually spot-on in nailing a lot of the tropes of typical Scooby-Doo movies. And the reason why the CGI is so bad in these movies is they had extensive reshoots to cover up a lot of the... um adult humor and images that were already in the movie that you didn't even know were CGI. That's why the creatures look so bad. Yeah. I mean, the creatures looking bad doesn't actually doesn't bother me as much as it probably should. (laughs) Because that that actually also is true to the form of Scooby-Doo because as great as Scooby-Doo is, if you look at the original Scooby-Doo, where are you? The budget was probably five cents. Yeah. And, but like, and that was the thing I think I liked about it the most. And it was, you know, kind of the thing I liked about Zombie Island as a, as well, uh, was it like we were actually facing like yes, there was somebody at the top, but we were actually facing actual monsters, not somebody like in a mask. Yeah, I don't think Zombie Land had not Zombie Land. Zombie Land may have had a cheap budget. I don't think Zombie Island had a budget of five cents though. That one actually, you could clearly tell they put more time and effort into the animation. I remember that one gave me nightmares as a kid. Um, so for those of you who aren't familiar with it, uh, Scooby and the gang go down to the bayou um, because good cooking and stuff. And Daphne has their own show or something uh, like the most haunted attractions or whatever. So they go down to the bayou for this supposed haunted attraction. And for the first time ever in Scooby-Doo history, the ghosts are real. Of uh, The scene that traumatized many kids, I'm sure, uh, they finally catch one of the zombies and Fred is like trying to pull its quote-unquote mask off and he ends up pulling the head off a zombie and he has a decapitated head in his arms. Oh, gosh. Dude, I remember, because if I... There was a, what was it? There was a scene, because there was, for some reason, it, it was up there with Jurassic Park where I saw it when I was like eight, like nine, like nine or ten. And like, I couldn't get past like the first 20 minutes or something like that. And like, didn't watch it again until I was an adult. But also, like, you could tell I, off from the get-go, it's going to be a creepier movie because the color palette is really yes. dark. Very strong it's, and effective oh, yeah. use of shadows and shading of like, right off the bat, you're like, this is a little creepy for a Scooby-Doo one because normally Scooby-Doo is like bright and colorful and everything's very muted. And it's all, besides maybe The Witch's Ghost, which came out a year after that, which is not nearly as good, even though it's got Tim Curry in it. Um it had this, like, muted color palette, which we haven't really gone back to since, because normally Scooby-Doo is, like, bright and colorful and fun. Um, Heather, what are your earliest memories, or what do you remember about Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island? 
I remember I liked it as a kid, but also I knew you said you as a kid you were terrified with the 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 reveal of the monsters of the zombies um being, you know, the headless. Yeah, I remember I didn't like that. I remember watching up until I remember when I was younger watching up until that point because I knew it was coming and then I wouldn't watch anymore because I didn't like that as much. Um but as an adult, I like I like you guys have probably said it's it holds up. It's still a great movie, and it's something you can watch with your family, with your friends, whatever. I also think On Zombie Island has one of the best reveals in any Scooby-Doo movie, and that's that the zombies, spoiler alert, are the good guys, and that the people that brought them to the island are actually the bad guys. Like, that was actually one of the few effective twists that you generally don't see coming. Because after a while, of as a Scooby-Doo fan, watching them my whole life, um, after a while, you get pretty good at picking out, okay, this is going to be the person that's behind it all. Uh, Scooby-Doo has a formula. It's safe, it's predictable after a while. This one, you don't see that twist coming, and it's a good twist. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I think that's why it, it this movie is so good, is because it knows its source material so well that it takes the the tropes. I, it, it does the exact same thing, basically, that the live-action Scooby-Doo movie does, but do, takes it in a different direction. Yes. Um, now, we have another live-action one, a Disney Channel original movie one, um, that's basically any kid that grew up with Disney Channel. Sorry, Josh. Um, yep. I'm gonna I'm gonna hand this one over to Heather because I'm sure she's got plenty to say about the original Halloween Town and even a little bit of Halloween Town too, but more specifically the original Halloween Town. Yes, I I really liked Halloween Town like as a kid, and then Nathan and I watched it. Um, I don't think we watched it this season yet, but I know we definitely watched it kind of recently, maybe earlier this year. But it's just it's a good movie. Um, it's like about there's a girl, and she's probably, like, 13 or 14. The only time I've ever seen a character in a movie named Marnie. Oh, anyway. Marnie. She's, like, 13 <laughs> or 14. Her brother, and then she has a younger sister, I believe, too. And the mom, and they, they love Halloween, and they love it so much. But, like, the mom, like, thinks they, like, do too much of that. Like, oh, you know, she has their fall decorations out and whatever. But grandma is, like... Grandma's the witch or the, like the she's she loves Halloween so she'll spoil the kids. But anyway, she um tells like the daughter, the granddaughter that she's a witch. Oh. And then anyway, long story, she brings her to Halloween Town finally. She's like, "Oh, finally, I'm 13 years old. I get to go to Halloween Town." And she loves it and she's meeting all these like kind of creepy, funny-looking people because they're, you know, they're monsters or they're, they're witches or whatever, but they're real friendly, some of them, and just different, just seeing the town, and she just, like, gets to explore and gets to use her, like, witch powers or broom, riding the broom and just different things because it's fun, and she's like, I enjoy this. This is why I enjoy Halloween so much because Grandma introduced me to Halloween, basically. Anyway. So... I remember watching Halloween Town like every single year, um, and I didn't even realize until I got older how stacked the cast is from the adult side. So I will always know uh, the grandma as the grandma from Halloween Town, but I didn't even realize until I became a more diehard movie fan that it's Debbie Reynolds who is from Singing in the Rain and a whole bunch of other stuff. Like 
famous Hollywood name, Debbie Reynolds. Um, and also the mom in all the Halloween Town movies is April O'Neil from the 1990s TMNT movie, which I'm always just like, that's an interesting connection. Um, and then you have um, Kimberly J. Brown, who was in like every other Disney Channel original movie for a while there. It was her and Ryan Merriman. The early 2000s, yeah. How they never ended up in a movie together mm-hmm. is beyond me. They're probably about the same age, I would say. Like mid-30s or something now. Yes, which yeah. I believe I saw somewhere that uh, Kimberly J. Brown ended up getting married to one of the cast members from Halloween Town 2, Calabar's Revenge. Really? That's that's interesting. That's she got cool. married to Calabar's son, who... Annoying, uh, annoying okay. side tangent that I have. Um, so... Heather immediately knows where I'm going with this because it's stupid and it bothers me every single time. Um, and Josh is going to laugh at me for this because it's the typical... Nathan thing. Yeah, typical Nathan. Really? You're going to nitpick that? Um, but the second Halloween Town is called Halloween Town 2, Calabar's Revenge. And on the DVD cover, Calabar's Revenge is spelled with a K. So K-A-L-A-B-A-R. Calabar. In the first movie, and even in the second one, Calabar is spelled with a C. And it bothers me that there's not this uniform... Okay, how do you spell the villain's name? Is it C or is it K? Who done messed up, Aaron? Honestly, I would agree with you. It is messed up. I would like it better as a K. It makes sense. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a C because it's C in the movie, but on the DVD, it's K, and I hate it. it yeah. I, I need it fixed. Disney, on Disney Plus, that's the number one priority. Actually, Famous Jet Jackson's number one priority. Then fix Calabar's Revenge. So you're not going to talk about Tarzan or Buzz Lightyear on that? All right, cool, 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 cool. Buzz will get there eventually, but Calabar needs to be fixed, dang it. (laughs) It's Um, been all these years and I still haven't let it go. (laughs) Back Uh, in the day, Disney Channel had some great Halloween movies like uh, Phantom of the Megaplex which is criminally underrated. Um, or Now You See Me? Now You See Now You See it. it. I always get that and Now You See Me with Jesse Eisenberg mixed up because their names are so very similar. Now You See It 1 and 2. Wasn't two? No, there's only one. I wish oh, there was a okay. second one. Oh, that's there's right. Not... We're get... I'm getting confused too. The Jesse okay. Eisenberg one has a terrible sequel with Daniel Radcliffe in it, but no. that's not for the whole family. Um, what yeah. is for the whole family, now that we can loop Josh back into the discussion, is Yay. arguably the best Andy, not Andy Sandberg, Adam Sandler, you know, they're the same person, the best Adam Sandler movies in recent memory. Josh, what are we talking about? Literally the, the movie that surprised the absolute crap out of me with Hotel Transylvania. There is no reason why it should be as good as it is. Have you seen the second one? I have not. Okay. <laughs> I've seen parts of the second one, and I do want to see it. Have you seen the third one? There's a third one? Yeah, it's just recent, like this past year or something, or last year. Okay. Anyway, well, I saw, I saw the second one, um, and I, I, it's it's not as good as the first yeah, one, but it's... That's what it's I'm hearing about good. the third one. Yeah. Nah, I don't even want to talk about that. Anyway, but we're talking about the first one, the Hotel Transylvania, the first that, like, surprised everyone. There's no reason for this movie to be good. Especially considering Adam Sandler stopped trying ever since Grown Ups. Yeah. 
and he's, he definitely he's sure as heck oh. trying for some reason in Hotel Transylvania. I will say I didn't even know that was him in it. He, is he the dad? Is he the dad vampire? Yeah, he's the dad vampire. Oh, uh, okay. I do like that movie. Go ahead, Josh. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. <laughs> I just there's no reason this should work. It's on paper. You've got what? Adam Sandler, Selena Gomez. Isn't Steve Buscemi in it? Literally all of Adam's, uh, yeah, Sandler's like cast of Merry Men is, is, cast I, of that's Merry what I'm Men. calling them. That's what we'll go with. Them. <laughs> it, yeah, it like, should work, works. but it does. The, the charisma of all the characters works. The animation of everything works really well. Love the animation. Like, you know, all of their monsters, they've definitely done their homework on. Um, and just like having like the personalities of, of everyone, like having the werewolves be like exhausted parents is mm. hilarious to me. Yeah. it Going back to the animation, it's fast, kind of like the Lego movie in terms of like really rapid mile a minute humor, but it really, really works. But also at the core of it, it's good characters and good story. And if you do that right, it's hard to fail, even with Adam Sandler, who is, like we've said, really bringing his A-game, but his relationship with his daughter is just incredibly well done. And just, it shouldn't work, but it does. Well, I think the thing it does well is, I don't think they ever say what happened to to the mom. But they, it, you, uh, but they, you never like feel the need to know. All you, you feel content with knowing, like something bad happened, and you know now these guys, they, these two have to survive. Well, we have one more official on the list. I don't know if we can think of any more off the top of our heads. Um, the Adams family, not the animated one that just came out that looks like a really cheap knockoff of Hotel Transylvania. I will say people are saying that's really funny. Families and kids. So, but anyway, go ahead. Uh, we'll go with the live action uh, Adams family. When they said they were going to make a new Adams family, I actually would have preferred it live action. Um, just because the cast that we got sounds perfect for live action. Uh, but going back to the original with uh, Christopher Lloyd as... Um, oh, it's not Cousin It, because Cousin It's the hairy one. Uh, who's the bald one? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, the dad is, um, it's Morticia Gordon? and... Was it Gord- Gordo? No, or, um... Uh, ah, Morticia and... Um, it's going to come back to me at the most random time. Gomez! Yeah, it is. I was going to say, it's like some, like, Weird, like Hispanic name. I saw super racist. No, I said it I don't know if he was dressed up as it for Halloween or a cosplay or it was a fan art or something of Oscar Isaac as Gomez. And oh my gosh, it was perfect. I would have been. Oh my goodness, it's just not fair. But going back to the original, that's one that was like, if it what if ABC Family didn't have Hocus Pocus on, it had the Adams Family on for some reason. Yeah. It's it's a Tim Burton movie, but not. It's clearly trying to emulate Tim Burton's style, but it except it's good. Yes, I went there. Yeah. So I don't even think I realized, but it completely makes sense when I saw it. Um, 
Do you know who directed this movie? No. Barry Sonnenfeld, the same guy that did the first Men in Black. Jeez. But okay. thinking about it like that, I can absolutely see how they're similar. Like the aesthetics and the character designs feel very, very similar to me. Yeah. I I liked the original Adams Family. I think it's mainly just because I I growing up had a healthy doth doth. I sound like Mike Tyson. Um a healthy dose of both Adams Family and the Munsters which I'm still waiting on a good Monsters movie. Yes, a good Monsters movie. I dude, I grew up with the Monsters, man. 1313 Mockingbird Lane, man. Let's go. And like that was the thing, like I always had like more of an attachment to the Monsters than I did the Adams family. Yeah, same. Same. Uh but I I would watch the Adams family, but the Monsters was much better. I think the Adams family to me, like I know of it and I've seen it. But it's just iconic, like, you know, the song. Everybody knows the little song. It's just a classic. Like, even though, you know, we do, going back to the new, um, the animated movie, like, it gets adults to teach the kids the song. You know what I mean? And maybe it's just me being me. I still kind of like the Munsters theme a little bit better. Yes, the Adam Sandler was more iconic, but I like the do 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 now that's going to be stuck in my head. In October, it's either the Munsters theme or the Halloween 3, eight more days till Halloween. And Heather's going, oh no, you got that in my head. And Josh has no idea what we're talking about. Yep. Josh, again, see Halloween 3 if you can get your hands on it. Or I can do what I'm going to do tomorrow, which is watch all of the Star Wars films. What? Yeah, I've decided the the trailer got me so amped that I have decided to watch everything from uh, Phantom Menace on. We're going to do, do that, like, too, once Disney Plus comes out, because I want to see what their stream looks like. Plus, Disney Plus will have some at least Last Jedi on 4K. So that's fair. I will. Uh, because oh, I mean, I'm going to do. Uh, yeah, because I'm going to do the, you know, one through three. Then I'm do a do a recap of Clone War or do a recap of Clone Wars between uh two and three. Which and Clone then a recap Wars? Of, like the three D animated or the far both, superior two D animated one? Both because technically they're both canon. No, um, they're not. The two D one isn't. Oh really? I thought okay. Well, that, no. anyway. All right. Well, I'm because you got to think Asajj Ventress is in both the two D and the three D, and she dies in the two D. Fair. Okay. Well, regardless, I wish the 2D was canon. It's better, but um, it that's also, also made because the best it's, Grievous. It, it's also done in the same style as uh, Samurai, Samurai Jack. Jack. Yeah. So, but uh, I was gonna do a recap video. Excuse me of of uh, the Clone Wars series in between there, and then along with Solo and Rogue One, do a recap recap video of Rebels in, leading into A New Hope. Um, oh, you're going hard. Yeah, dude. I was like, I'm amped. And like I started watching Venom today and, and was it's like, not that oh, bad, people. It's really not. Like it's yeah. Anyway. Regardless. Um, yeah, we're getting I, I got up a tangent. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, we never get on tangents here. Uh Josh what? or Heather, do you have any other ones that we haven't mentioned 
today. Heather, you got any? Yes, but you will. You both of you will not agree. It's for the ladies. It's for the girls that grew up with my, with our generation. Um, I loved as a kid the double double toil and trouble. It's a Mary Kate Nashley movie when they were like six. Okay, I've seen plenty of those. Those are not bad. Those are pretty good. This one was really fun. Heather, I'm hurt. Why? I'm hurt that you would assume that I had never seen that. That, oh, that that's you. because I'm so just like, I've oh, never Nathan, Nathan's never seen that. I've seen like all but one of them. Okay, okay. Are you I kidding me? Know. The Mary Kate Nashley movies are like this that's is back when, when they were normal. Problem. Yeah, when they were under the age of fourteen. And now they're, yes. they're the least talented of the Olsen. Well, well, yes, but we won't talk about that. That regardless, how dare you make that assumption, I'm sorry, Heather? I'm, I'm sorry, Josh. I guess I didn't you know talk to you about this beforehand. But <laughs> anyway, you've seen this but, movie, right? Yeah, I've seen them. Of course okay, I've seen well, this one. Have you seen this one in particular, specifically? Yes, I have. It, I mean, it's been a hot minute. but okay, well, yeah, it's been a hot minute for me, too. But, Is it the one with the creepy house? Yes, yeah, creepy. Okay, so here's the very, very generic idea because I could talk, 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 but it's, it's <laughs> anyway. So I like this movie and I want to rewatch it. It's probably good. Basically, so Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen, their characters, I don't remember their names in the show, but they um, go trick or treating with their parents, but then they want, they get to go spend time with grandma. And then they go to grandma's house and, um, there's like this creepy attic and a mirror and all these. I don't, I'm missing details, but anyway, there's like grandma, the grandma had a sister, but she like, she died and she was a ghost and she was like evil. And she like, her spirit went into the mirror and they had to go on this. Oh gosh, it was now it's kind all coming of, flooding back to me. Kind of like this dream. Yeah, I don't know. I But they like, I feel like the girls went into the mirror. I don't remember how this, I, I'm getting my I'm getting a little lost. But um, anyway, the the girls, like, meet all these um, interesting people um, because they want to relive. Oh, wait, the grandma, the good, the nice grandma, their actual grandma, the sweet grandma, got trapped in the mirror by the evil sister. So basically, the girls are like, oh, they have to go to different houses and different things and find all these characters, like a, a little, it was like, there's a dwarf. There's like a, this old lady, uh, this middle-aged lady that looks like a witch. There's like all these like people they come across to get clues of like, oh, how do they save their grandma? But I, I need to look up on it. But I really liked it because it's very different, very unique. And it just is like, it's fun, but it, it relates back to the family. And that's why I like it so much. Now, like, I definitely remember seeing all those memories that were like locked Three levels deep so, in my brain just came flooding back so up using an express I elevator. Yeah, because that now this is getting this is making my my brain move and groove. Right? Did Uh-oh. um did Wishbone ever do a <gasps> dude? The Wishbone they, Sleepy they, Hollow episode. That's what it is. I was like, I could have sworn I remembered a, a Wishbone. That was hollow, terrifying. Hollow. Oh man! Well, because the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that, 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 that house one. Because like, doesn't like, don't they actually like show like the creepy head or something? Yeah, and like that Wishbone, one gave me like nightmares. Was... I loved Wishbone, but not that stupid episode. 
but like I remember Wishbone getting like stuck in the creepy house and like the kids yeah. had to save him. And, oh, where dude. is Wishbone now? And what streaming service do I need to subscribe to to get me some oh, Wishbone? Man. I guarantee it's probably all on it's probably on YouTube. But Wishbone was the best. Yeah, it was on PBS because it was great and educational. It was. Wishbone was just a oh man, that was that was even further down than before. This brings me back. I know it's not. I know it's not a movie. But did Arthur? You know Arthur on PBS. Will Arthur? Did he ever have a Halloween? episode no yes if they did partially partially um remember the musical episode uh jekyll jekyll high jekyll high high jekyll yes i I sing that song all the time (laughs) that was terrifying um so brain are you checking it out renew his library card right oh my gosh (laughs) <laughs> traveling the world isn't very hard when you've got, got a, a library card. card. Golly. All right, I think we better we better wrap this up, man, before we go too far down. Also, just so you know, if you YouTube Wishbone right now, the first thing that comes up, Wishbone, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Oh, man. Guess what I'm watching later? <laughs> that Jeez, and then the man. Arthur Jekyll Jekyll High. Holy crap. Jekyll. Um, okay, just for the record, I'm seeing a couple different wishbone things pop up right now on YouTube suggested. And after Legend of Sleepy Hollow, there's one called Bark to the Future, and I kind of need to see it. Oh jeez. Wishbone. Look how he's just in the picture on the YouTube. He's so cute. Man, I need to binge watch Wishbone now. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Never apologize for bringing back Wishbone, even oh, if it man. is the terrifying Sleepy Hollow. It is. Uh, well, let's wrap this thing up before we uh, dive too far down the rabbit hole of yeah. childhood. Yeah, I but, think in the near uh, future, we're going to need a nostalgic only episode. Yeah, totally. A PBS I, uh, episode. Heather? So we can talk Heather, about Cyber was- Chase and Arthur and all the good stuff. Oh man, um, it was great talking to you. It's it, it was fun having you on tonight. I, I heard you guys took over last week. I appreciate it. Um, Thank but you. yeah, Thank you, Jason. Good, good, good. we don't get to talk much, bud. Nope, we don't. Also, um, for last week, we did best uh, movie heroes. I have one that Josh, you got to remind me. Uh, for next week, we're going to talk about Josh and I are going to talk about our top ten favorite horror movies. And I'm kicking myself that I forgot one of my all-time favorite horror movie heroes to set it up for something in next week. One of the characters on my list called Hush. I'm, oh, dude, I'm kicking myself you? I forgot about her. How'd you forget about that? What's wrong with you? I know, man. Um, but you at home, what are some of your favorite family-friendly Halloween movies? Let us know in the comments below. We love, always love hearing from you guys. And if you haven't already, subscribe to us on whatever audio platform you're listening to us on, whether that's uh, YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Google Podcasts, whatever else. If you haven't already, subscribe to us on YouTube at Uncharted Media. And as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals. 